0: You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans, for fans. For Caprizo, back to Zuccarello, back to Caprizo, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Gaudreau, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall Zeke Boyot and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bakke back here with you. Monday, April 24th, the eve before Game 5 between the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars series. Probably as expected, uh, a close one knotted up at 2-2. As we head back to Dallas, we will break down the major headlines to the first four games, look ahead to the remaining games in the series, and hit on a little bit of wild news along the way on today's episode but as we always do before we get into everything got to check in with the fellas see how they're doing Zeke we'll start with you tonight how things going uh for you this
1: evening uh pretty good nothing uh too special going on just been like everyone else enjoying all the hockey. you know four games hockey on every every night like it always in the first round it's been really good Uh, always a good way to end the day each night and obviously watching the fall in the wild really close like everyone else you know, frustrating loss the other day but it's overall been a really fun series to watch so uh, be a, good to get into some of that here tonight.
0: Absolutely and Justin what about you?
2: Doing well just uh, kind of starting up the busy work week again and uh, this past weekend my uh, son and daughter's pond hockey kind of last month they extended the season by month basically with this league um, they finished that up so just kind of on the baseball season and and a little less running around, but uh, pretty cool. Miko's team won won their uh, little pond hockey championship, so kind of fun for them. It's more fun than anything. And uh, they both did well, so uh, just always happy to watch them and, and excited to now talk about the wild here. So
0: yeah, we have a lot to get to, so we don't want to waste too much time. Um, but there is still prospects playing, so we gotta go, and there is some pretty significant news out of Iowa that I'm sure we'll hit on toward the end of the prospect report uh, mm-hmm. before we dive into everything playoffs, so Justin, we will flip it over to you uh, for the update on the remaining prospects here um, that are still playing games.
2: Yeah, it's <clears throat> dwindling down quite a bit uh, You know, uh, this time of year, playoffs, teams lo- uh, losing out, whatnot, but uh, we'll start with Daniil Yerov he ended up signing a one year deal with Magnagursk for next season um, you know kind of not a surprise. I was kind of hoping he'd come over this way but I, also I'm you know I'm not not upset about it as long as he can get the the right minutes more than eight minutes a game or you know mm-hmm. some games he didn't even get that but um you know, as long as he get gets minutes and isn't uh, ragdolled between the MHL and KHL, and I'm okay with it. It kind of puts him on track on <clears throat> what was presumed anyways, where uh, him Ugrin and who's Nadina would be here in 2024. So, um, and if you haven't seen it, Sport Express had a a really good he had a really good interview. He has good head on his shoulders. This, this doesn't worry me one bit. So, mm-hmm. um, if you haven't seen it, it's on the Young Guns page. Check it out.
0: Yeah, it's a really nice interview. I I won't spoil it for people too much, but just some really candid quotes um seemed to take a lot of responsibility for the lack of ice time and like seemed to cite his own production of like, "Well, I didn't score a lot of goals and didn't get a lot of assists." Like, dude, they were playing you 13 seconds. seconds a game. Like Yeah. So, I mean, that just kind of shows you the character like even though and when he was on the ice, he had produced, was having good right. shifts, all these good things, and he still took the responsibility to own up to it. Say, I have to be better um talk candidly about you know what he talked about with the wild staff and um sounds like he's really excited to put in the work and hopefully be a big part uh, of that team next year so yeah if you haven't checked out that article i uh, would highly recommend checking it out uh really interesting and really really good stuff from from daniel you seems like he's got a great head on his shoulders 100 percent
2: uh yeah and then uh Really, we only have a couple of prospects left in the juniors. Uh, David Spachek, he picked up three points in two games this past week. Uh, his team swept the second round series. They've won all eight games in the playoffs they've played. I think they're just waiting on their next opponent now. Camloops um, in the WHL. <clears throat> Caden Bankier, another good week. Three points, two games. Uh, he was our prospect of the week again. Uh, just continues to have a really good playoff season. I think he's up to like fifteen points. I forgot how many games they're at, but uh, really, really good playoffs continuing on from the regular season. Um, Masters scored a goal <clears throat> the last couple games too, so I, th- those guys keep doing well. And uh, Carson Lambo's his team is still in it. He hasn't been picking up points, but his team is a force. I, I, they're they haven't moved on to the next round yet, but uh, I think they're up three to two in their series. Um, of course, Kamloops they they're they've moved on. They're on the Western Conference uh, semifinals, so, or championship, whatever you want to say. Uh, that's really that's all that's left. I think Nate Benoit's team in the USHL is still going. They are one of the teams that got a first-round bye. so um, kind of just waiting to see who their opponent is. And then uh, last thing is Iowa ended up losing to Rockford, got swept in their three-game set, kind of a, a play-in series. Um, ended up losing in overtime the second game kind of a backbreaker but um with it becomes you know first off uh they'll have a new look staff heading into next season as uh tim army tim army and his assistants won't be returning uh so it'll be interesting to see what what they bring in for that and then also um jesper walstead has been uh called up to the team kind of one of the black aces it sounds like the exit interviews were today so More to come, so guys like Walker, Rossi, Beckman, Patan. Uh, who knows? But we'll find out fairly yeah, soon. Yeah,
0: I would imagine those. Um, trying to think of who else played games this year. Stephen Fogarty wouldn't be surprised Patan, if, like a Sweeney. Yeah. Um, on the blue line, probably not, since they have three sitting in the press box, right. um, as it is. But, um, you know, maybe they get a guy like Damon Hunt up here just to take reps right. um, with the pro team, because I know he's a guy I think they're eyeballing as a potential to maybe play games for the Wild next year. So, um, yeah, so minor storylines there. I wouldn't expect probably any of those guys to come in and no. be inserted into the lineup. Unless, you know, game five rolls around and, you know, two or three more guys are injured. Um, Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, obviously the big story outside of Iowa's season ending um, was the news that Tim Army and his staff will not be renewed and coming back. Um, You know, it's hard to say at this point, like who, you know, the the front runner candidates would be um, because there's a lot of different directions um, that the wild could go. I mean, Tim Army definitely really, you know, strong in developing some of that, you know, that grittier bottom six talent. You look at, you know, Wild's fourth line for a good chunk of the year. Connor Dewar, Mason Shaw, Brandon Duhame. Those are three players, you know, that were pretty much, you know, raised as as babies, uh, for lack of a better analogy, uh, by Tim Army. Um, Obviously, very impactful players for the Wild this year. Um, But if you look, you know, maybe potential reasons why he was let go, um, I think part of it You know, could potentially be his, I don't want to call it inability, but maybe coaching style that doesn't mesh with developing maybe some of that higher end talent. You know, we've seen, you know, Kalen Addison not be able to quite round out the full defensive game. You know, Marco Rossi has, you know, had a great season in Iowa, but when he's come up to NHL, he just, you know, hasn't seemed to have it yet. Um, And, you know, a lot of that, potentially is that on the player? Absolutely. But I think a lot of it too can come from the previous coach and what buttons they're pushing and what types of things they are coaching these guys on. So it'd be surprising, you know, Army was, you know, the incumbent when Garen came in, he decided not to touch that current contract. Um, and of course now, you know, I would imagine he'll bring in one of his own guys, maybe someone um, that can help develop, you know, some of these skills as you look at the pipeline that's going to be coming in the years to come, probably another year of Allstate. Um, you know, Marco Rossi, hopefully, you know, on this, on the lineup game one next year, but still guys, you know, like Adam Beckman, you have, you know, and we just talked about, you know, we're a year away from adding Danila Yurov, Murat, who's and Liam Ugrin um, to the system, you know, will they probably get seasoning in Iowa? That seems to be the Bill Guerin way, Um, you know, at least they'll start there. So potentially Potentially for me, just wanting to bring in a coach um, that might be able to kind of hone into those skills and, you know, develop more of that, you know, that offensive creativity, maybe then a bit more of, of the grit, uh, which sounds ironic given, you know, this team it seems to be very focused on the physicality and stuff. But um, that's kind of my gut feeling and also just kind of getting his own guy in there at this point, too. And, you know, on top of that, there's been a, you know, a pretty extreme lack of playoff, playoff success uh, out of Tim Army to getting the team there and then really not doing anything with it, which is hashtag on brand for a wild affiliate.
2: Right. And, you know, part of it is, the you know, up until the last couple of years, that team didn't have a ton of talent. At the same time, you got to find ways to to make the playoffs. You know, uh, I don't know how many times they made the playoffs under him, but they've only made it twice in the 10 years they've been a team. So, I mean, really, truly, my gut feeling says Garen just really wants to get his guy in there and kind of, you know, have the organization everything that, you know, that's his brand. You know, Wants things the way he does. I mean, not that Tim Army Tim Army Denton. You know, like you said, he meant he did good with those those guys that have come up already. But uh, yeah, I don't have much to add other than other than uh, you know that really.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I don't know if you guys have any, but is there any coaches or you know anyone that comes to mind as to who may step in there? I know for a fact that you know I don't I don't have any. Um, unless, you know, they all of a sudden Mikko Kuevu came out of the rafters or something and wanted to be, you know, an AHL coach. But, I mean, that would be like the only one name and there's probably no basis to that other than it would make mm-hmm. him really happy uh, for him to have that kind of role in the organization. But, um, you know, I would I would guess the look in common areas, probably the, you know, different collegiate programs, um, mm-hmm. the USHL. Um, you know, it's obviously bred a lot of coaches, um, that have gone on to be successful in college. I think that have, you know, taken the AHL route. So I would imagine those are the areas that they start, um, you know, and if there's, you know, potentially connections back to Pittsburgh or wilkes Bar, um, you know, wouldn't surprise me either in that sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, you you gotta think it'll be a guy that's trying to, you know, get into coaching or whatnot or, or move up a level. A lot of these AHL guys are trying to move up to the NHL. Um, maybe even if it's an assistant coach job in the NHL, I think that's where a lot of these guys want to go. But uh, it'll be quite interesting to see uh, you know, guys that aren't coaching right now that maybe he wants to pull in, maybe like just spitballing. Because I know Doug Waite has been mentioned under him. I don't mm-hmm. think he'd want to be an AHL coach, but just, just thoughts that pop into my head. And then, yeah, who knows? Maybe, like you said, a collegiate or like USHL, ECHL, um. who knows, but uh <laughs> I don't really know who is available without really looking. So right. it's kind of a hard question to answer, yeah. but just kind of That's spit something balling. I haven't
0: really had the given everything else with the while going yeah. on that I wasn't, right. you know, chomping at the bit to to dig into at least as of yet. So, um, but I mean,
1: it's but, obviously it's important because, you know, we talk about their, the, you know, their system being the key to them winning here in the next few years. So obviously I'm sure they're going to take their time and make sure they, get the right person to, or the right people, I guess, to help yeah. do that job.
0: Yep. And I don't be surprised if that, you know, process potentially lingers, you know, through the end of the season, maybe even pass for agency yeah. and as more of a, mm-hmm. hey, we'll, you know, attack that kind of once we have all the other stuff figured out, but yeah. um, definitely a big storyline. Uh, but that'll pretty much cover the prospects. So let's jump next right in head first to the Minnesota wild and Dallas stars playoff series. Um, I think you've probably re- at this point have probably listened to or read every possible um, g- you know, game by game and play by play breakdown uh, of these games. So we'll forego um, that part where we should kind of dive into the numbers, talk about our reactions, and more just kind of hit on you know sort of that main storyline uh, from each game. Uh, we'll start with game one. Um, you know, absolute track meet goes. You know, f- what was it ended up being f- almost four and almost five periods, basically four and a half 100%. periods, game and a half in this one. Um, Wild come out on top, a 3-2 double overtime win uh, thanks to Ryan Hartman fighting through a Charlie horse to put the game away. Um, but obviously the biggest storyline that came out of this game and generated all the buzz possible on Twitter was the hit by Matt Dumba in the corner on Joe Pavelski. Um, lots of discourse on whether it was a legal hit, whether it was a dirty hit, whether it was a late hit, um, different opinions, and you probably won't ever be able to have you know one consensus one Um, But wanted to kind of come in and see if you guys were able to, you know, digest this now that it's basically almost a week away at this point, over a week away. Um, And just so you know, if you've had to kind of, you know, form your opinion, now you have a chance to look back at it and just kind of what you thought of the hit um, and different things like that. So Zeke, we'll we'll start with you on this one.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, the first thing to just start with is obviously it depends on... You know what side of this you're on you know if it's happening to your your team one of your players you're probably going to just naturally be you know pretty pissed about it in general and that's you know it's a very normal reaction i totally get it uh you know we would probably all be doing the same thing so you know aside from the immediate reaction that night you've kind of just tried to you know at least at least understand where a lot of people in dallas are coming from but you know i'm Obviously, technically, by the rules, you know it was fine. It was not, you know, they didn't even give him a penalty for that hit, I, or did they give him interference, or was it for the scrum after with Domi? I don't know, but
0: I, they called roughing. But I thought that was a result of the mm-hmm. of the Domi scrum. Um, yeah, but I've but, heard both that no, that was what they called the check, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I'm, well, I'm I mean, not 100 yeah. percent sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, either way, even if they did call him for you know interference or whatnot, it wasn't. They didn't call a major penalty. They didn't based on the NHL's rules, um, you know, it wasn't a major penalty and wasn't worthy of the five. And that's where the debate comes in is whether, you know, their rules are right and whether you should be able to, you know, kind of run at a guy. I mean, it was within the, you know, that 0.6 second window, but, you know, it was, like I said, I can see where, you know, if you're on the other end of that, you might be a little little ticked off about it because, I mean, he definitely did definitely take, you know, you ran at him a little bit, but, you know, as everyone else has said, he didn't really jump up he didn't throw his arms he didn't hit him in the head um you know i think obviously a lot of it was just unfortunately for pavelski that you know he fell down and hit his head and going the other way down and you know thankfully he's seemingly doing better now and maybe getting closer to play again which is obviously the most important thing but it's like you said like brett said it's a gray rule it's basically a debate of whether you think the uh you know the nhl's rules are right or not and you know it, it, it which can be very subjective as we
0: know justin
2: yeah i think initially i was like oh crap we're gonna lose him for games with with this hit and um kind of digested it I, i do understand the stars fran's being pissed off it's you know one of the most likable guys in the nhl it's you know one of their best players on their top line uh huge huge part of their power play so you're losing a huge piece to a guy that's you know been out In the playoffs, with a concussion before that was in the San Jose days, but still, uh, you never want to see a guy like that get injured. Um, Anyways, uh, getting back to Dumba, uh, initially, uh, yeah, I thought he was he was going to be done for a while, but you know, I digested it and and you know saw the replays and kind of the analogies and and the rules behind it, and it was a maybe you know, it it, slow motion. You are like, oh shit, that that was that was late. But when you speed it up in the actual play, it, it it was it was boom, boom. Um, I mean, overall, I, I was fine with the hit. I, I think part of it was Pavelski's stick hit him in the head, didn't it? And I then think his, his head and Hartman's eyes. both. Was like, I think Hartman's
0: yeah. stick got in there and Pavelski's own stick got in there um, is what it looked like. I mean, it's there's not a great camera angle that can kind right. of show it all, but... From the angles we did see, it it's certainly, it for sure, at least one stick caught him in the face. Yeah. Um, and I think for sure his own and potentially Hartman's too. Right.
2: I, I do think this is one of those hits that Dumba almost walks the line on it. He likes to do those. I mean, it happens, mm-hmm. you know, a couple times a season where he'll walk the line and, and have a hit where there's, you know, a little bit of controversy. But overall, I, I think it was a, you know, good playoff hit. And not good in the sense that you got hurt, but good in the sense that it was overall clean. Um, Mm-hmm. maybe a, t- a tad bit late even though by the rules it wasn't maybe that's the rule they got to look at but um yeah I mean it was just a hard hit
0: <laughs> yeah and that's kind of what it boils down to for me too and you know when it when I saw it happen real time you saw Pavel Skalinga and I just like knocked out my gut reaction was, oh he hit him in the head and that was a dirty yes. hit right yeah. and that's where my first initial reaction came from then all of a sudden you start watching the replay and you went oh He's knocked out cold because he hit his head on the ice. And I think, you know, there isn't even a discussion on this hit whatsoever if Pavelski doesn't hit his head on the ice, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was just, it was a terribly unfortunate result. We talked to, you know, just Mm -hmm. a second ago, he got a stick in the face and then hits his head on the ice, right? If that happens anywhere else, you know, and there was also the part that, you know, as this play's happening, Ryan Hartman's coming in to maybe step in and make a play on the puck, and it almost acts as a screen, where he doesn't see Dumba coming. So I don't even think that makes it a blindside hit. You know, we talked about was it, you know, maybe a hair late? Potentially, right? But it's within the rules. Like, I think it was just kind of the perfect storm of misfortune for Joe Pavelski. It sucks that he got hurt because, Justin, as you mentioned, he's an easy guy to root for. I mean, especially, you know, know, from Wisconsin, he's been, you know, unbelievable on Olympic teams, a well-respected player everywhere that he's played. Um, you know, I always, when I always say, you know, when I, you know, when I'm watching the playoffs, I want to see the best players on the ice and, Mm. you know, in the wild situation, it sucks that we're missing some of our best players, but I want to beat the best teams when they have their best team on the ice. Right. So, um, sucks to see him get hurt, um, in that situation. But again, I just think it was the perfect storm misfortune. And there was a lot of, you know, uncommon factors that made that, you know, that, that legal hit end up seemingly be, um, a lot worse than it was. Um, But what I will say, you know, kind of beyond the hit that, you know, I was really was really good to see was just how Dumba kind of handled it. Right. You know, the rest of the game, he's getting booed every time he touches the puck. Um, You know, stars players are taking runs at him and taking cheap shots and he didn't feed into it at all. He just continued to play his game. Um, and you know, that's one of those nights where maybe the analytics didn't quite reflect how good of a game he actually played. Um, and I think most of that was kind of, you know, those two overtime periods where the wild really started to kind of struggle at five on five. Um, and the analytics, you know, took a little bit of a dip on, on some of that. But I mean, I think you look at that game, it was one of the best games he probably played all year, um, and delivered a hit that, you know, somewhat changed the momentum of that game. Right. Um, you know, all of a sudden, it looked like you know the Wild had given up two power play goals. Looked like they're about to go, you know, down a five minute major, and all of a sudden, you know, it's four on four, and from there on out, the Wild end up, you know, eventually tying the game and taking it to overtime. So I think it was a really impressive response to him. Um, and then beyond that, through these next couple of games, we haven't really seen him continue to shy away from contact at all, and he's still out there throwing his weight around, which has been really, really nice to see.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I mean, like we've, uh, like a lot of people said, it seems. You know that he's, in a way, obviously he knows that it's kind of his time here. He's probably coming to an end, so it seems like he's playing, you know, first time in a while, just kind of playing freely and, you know, just doing what makes him best, which is when he's involved in the play and he's not just sitting back. I mean, and obviously obviously he's not scoring, but he's been pretty solid defensively and just looks to be, uh, I mean, you saw... I don't know if you guys saw that clip where he was knocking a Mason March when he jumped into the boards. Yeah, I saw that. The and then like kind of half flop doing him and Flyno do it both doing stuff like that. Just uh, you know, really fun. Just fun to see uh fun to see him just having fun uh and just really uh going all out here uh, at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and I think you know the other piece too is it it is absolutely insane to me. How the uh, how the tone on Dumba has changed within the Wild fan base from yeah. get this guy out of here, put him in the press box to how can we re-sign Matt Dumba? Like yeah. <laughs> I think that just shows. I mean, the guy I think um, in game I think it ended up being in game two. He picked up two assists, um, which was his first multi-point game since November, and I think only his like second and third point since the middle of February. Um, the offense hasn't been there, but he's completely like almost rebranded himself and almost as defensive defenseman or this two way kind of puck moving defenseman that's going to play physical, um, seemingly changing his game, you know, for, Hey, I, I don't have the offense that, you know, I had before that shoulder injury. He's kind of reinvented his game into a different type of player. I think than the Matt Dumba that we know, but it's really worked out for him. We've seen, you know, him and Brodeen playing, you know, gigantic minutes, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's got to that point where, Hey, you know, does he love, you know, this team in this city enough to take, uh, you know, one, one and a half million dollar deal. I doubt it. Um, but you know, if there's, you know, teams out there, you know, we've heard, you know, at least, you know, trade deadline time, there wasn't high interest, you know, maybe that's changed with, you know, the last month and a half, two months of the season that he's had um but you know i think there's there's teams that might be interested but you know it could be you know non playoff teams is that the environment that you know he wants to be in all that stuff so not ruling it out but i just you know i thought it was just a little bit comical you know the same people that you know yes. were calling for his head to sit in the press box like how can we get this guy back on a on a team friendly deal so uh, kind of funny everything comes full circle
1: yeah well that's <laughs> that's what i told my dad when you know, i was uh... Complaining about the fish a couple days ago. Again, you know, I know a shocker. And he complained about the fish eating, but he goes, Well, why aren't you complaining about this? And I'm like, I'm like, Well, man, we're all sports fans are hypocrites, basically, at one point or yeah. another, and every that's time. True. So, yeah, that's just, uh, just another example. But, you know, it's a, like I said, it's great to see. So,
0: Yeah. Well, that takes us into game two. And the storyline was very Oof. obvious from about mid afternoon that day. The Minnesota Wild, you know, 48 hours, you know, not even after, um, Philip Gustafson mm-hmm. makes a franchise record 51 saves, um, thrown to the bench for Marc-Andre Fleury, um, who has arguably his worst performance since his first game of the season gives up seven goals, um, the wild fall on this one, seven to three. Um, and you know, the takes just stormed out. Should Fleury have started, you know, we should have never gone away from Gus. Um, you know, a lot of anger, um, and before i kind of give my thoughts cuz i i can i actually as you know the last couple of days i i do see this a little bit from both sides um mm-hmm. and i think potentially an angle that a lot of people haven't thought about it from um before we get into that uh justin we'll, we'll start with you just wanted to kind of give give your your opinion on how this played out um you know and and just kind of you know your thoughts on the decision uh, by Dean Evison to start Mark Andre Fleury over Philip Gustafson
2: Right, I think always hindsight is always twenty twenty. After all is said and done, um, in my head initially it made sense uh, with Gustafson, you know merely not even yeah, you know, like you said, not even forty eight hours later after double OT game making fifty one saves, um, we kind of knew that they initially were going to go with a goalie rotation, so it wasn't really a surprise that he started. Um, I I mean, really, you do want want to ride the hot hand. So, like, I I do see both sides, but it was also like, how much did that overtime game affect? You know, maybe Gustafsson needing one game off. Um, Looking back, I kind of wish he started, but at the same time, the team in front of Flurry played like dog shit. So that was not all on Flurry. People just want to put it all on Flurry. Did he have like a couple (laughs) goals that he should have not allowed? Yes. It was also the team in front of him. So, um, who knows how we would have fared with Gustafsson in front of him? The team does seem to play better in front of him, anyways. But um, uh, we will never know, honestly. So, yeah. uh, I do get the the sentiment behind both sides, though. So, yeah, for sure. And
1: I mean, I think the you know the argument people would make about. You know, it, it does make sense, like Justin mentioned, with Gustafson playing almost five periods. The argument a lot of people make as well, you know, Jake Ottinger did that and other goalies do that every year and they're out there the next game. So, you know, it's it's tough. I know Evis basically said, you know, like that's what we've been doing all year and, and all that, which, you know, I, I agree pretty much same thoughts as Justin. I think it, you know, like, like you said, it's easy to say that after the fact. And, you know, when you're starting off the game, allowing shorthanded breakaways two and a half minutes of the game, that kind of set the tone for pretty much, you know, obviously you didn't think they were going to get beat seven to three, but I don't know how shocking it was that Dallas kind of came out and took it to the wild after, you know, losing game one at home. So there's, it's obviously a team effort, like you said, and you can't obviously really put it on any one person, but, you know, I don't know. I think in the end, it probably was the wrong decision. I mean, You know, like I said, I get why they want to do it. I think Fleury is, he's been, he's been, he's been, you know, back and forth this year, you know, never really consistently good. But I think at the same time, you know, looking back on it, it's, you know, like everyone knows, Gustafson's been your best goal this year. And, you know, he just made, you know, the 51 saves in the first game. And, you know, like there's been some speculation if he was dealing with some sort of, you know, health or just really tired after the game, which is entirely possible. So, you know, which we don't obviously know that, but I think, you know, I think a lot of those, you know, it's it's fair to definitely fair to question the uh, decision and, you know, hey, like Justin said, it might not have made a difference. They still might have scored five or six goals in that game and it wouldn't have mattered. But, you know, if maybe if you have your best goal in there, you make an extra save or two there. And, you know, when it gets to four or three, it doesn't get to be six to three, you know, two minutes after sure. that, maybe they have a chance, but yeah. as, as you all said, that's, it, yeah. you know, it we it's easy to say that uh, after the fact.
0: Yeah. I was, I yeah, go ahead.
2: i oh, sorry. I was going to say <clears throat> uh, the tired thing. Uh, it, it definitely could have been, you know, a health thing, maybe dehy- de- dehydration or something, whatnot. Now, there's always ways for them to battle that, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't think of it till now, but, Gustafson only started 39 games in the regular season. Uh, Odinger started 62. So I, I definitely think he could have handled it, but, but uh, I just wanted to add that in there because it popped in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I, I share a lot of those similar sentiments. Um, I am from in the camp that I don't think it would have mattered if Gustafson would have played, and I, I don't know if it necessarily would have changed the outcome of the game. I mean, the team played absolutely sloppy in front of them. They were giving up odd man rushes left and right, um, taking lots of stupid penalties. You know, they scored three goals, but, you know, how many of those were kind of, you know, Partially Mickey Mouse, um, when, you know Dallas seemed to kind of be partially in cruise control, um, and then the other you know really interesting thing. So I was listening to the hockey PDO cast today, um, with Dmitry mm. Filipovich, um, and then he had a guest on uh, by the name of Kevin Woodley, um, who's really plugged into goaltenders, has written about goaltenders basically his whole career, speaks to goaltending coaches, two goaltenders pretty much daily, um, and he brought up he didn't specify which goalie it was, but there was a goalie earlier this year. Um, who played a a game in Dallas, three periods overtime in a shootout, um, and lost twelve pounds, um, in that game of Mm -hmm. basically water weight because of the heat, the humidity. It's one of the hottest and most humid rinks in the league, and I think you know we don't necessarily always think about that stuff. And and you know, Justin, to your point, I don't I don't know if he's dehydrated. I don't know if Philip you know you know came out and, and and didn't um. You know, lost twelve pounds. I think there was a rumble from Russo that he hadn't eaten that day since like 1.30 in the afternoon, because uh, he was afraid of like getting an upset stomach or you know th- things like that. So I-, I think that's very possible. And then on top of that too, I mean, you look at. Going into that game, they, they were coming out of a track meet, you know, a four and a half period game, you know, not even forty eight hours earlier when it finished up. You're gonna be without Jewel Ericksonek, you're gonna be without Ryan Hartman, you know, you're putting Sam Steele back in, you're putting Oscar Sunquist in who hasn't played in you know I think at that point, two and a half, three weeks. Um, in Dean Evanson's mind it might have been, Hey, you know, we're probably not gonna sweep this series. I don't have, you know, my full gambit of players. At this point, John Klingberg wasn't ready to come back in the lineup yet. And he might just say, hey, you know, I'm going to throw these guys out there. I'll, I'll get Flurry in there, um, give him some reps. Because I think the other way you can look at this, too, is, uh, you know, we saw last year, you know, they, the, uh, the wild kind of rode, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury all through the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And then when they did make a goalie change, they, you know, they bring in Cam Talbot, who at that point hadn't played almost three weeks, you know, coming in cold in elimination games. So, you know, maybe this was, you know, a preemptive, like, hey, we want to keep the goalie rotation going, you know, in the event, you know, maybe Gustafson, you know, maybe falters here in game five and they do need to go back to Fleury. Um, And he's not coming, you know, having not played in two weeks. So, you know, I, I still don't think it was the best decision, but I think the more I've thought about it, I can see some of the rationale in it. Um, and, you know, I do wonder, you know, if the team plays a little bit better in front of them. Um, obviously, you know, there's maybe two, three of those goals that are pretty soft. You have the one from the wing, I think, by Jimmy Ben, that he didn't seem to hardly move on. Um, you had the Miss Pochek dive on Rupe Hintz. Um, and, you know, the most of the other ones were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, those are hard saves. But, you know, I think the difference in the playoffs, and we saw it, you know, multiple times last night with Jake Ottinger and several times in game one, you know, mm-hmm. with Phil Gustafson is like to win games, you have to make saves that you're not supposed to make. And, you know, Ottinger probably made four or five last night and was the reason that, you know, Dallas wins ultimately wins that game. So I think there's reasons to believe it was, you know, necessarily like a, a, a bad decision. It, it's fair to question it. And I think, you know, depending on the outcome of this series, I think it, it you know, it, it may be looked at as a turning point. Um, but, you know, I can see maybe some of the logic in it, and you know, we're not—you know—we may not find out some of that until, until the mm-hmm. season is done. Um, moving on to Game Three, I mean, by far and away the best game the Wild played all series. Absolutely took it to Dallas, ran him out of the building with a five-to-one win. Um, the Marcus mm-hmm. Felino came through and through. Um, we we can kind of maybe talk about a few of those things, but I think obviously the the big you know, great storyline, and then absolute shitty storyline was the return and then very abrupt exit of Jewel Erickson. Ek comes in in the starting lineup and practicing all week. We've seen videos of him doing battle drills, stops, starts, turns, everything. Like, like this guy isn't human. Um, and then you know, it was proved he was human. Nineteen seconds into his shift, makes a turn in the circle. Uh, react. We're assuming reaggravating what you know what what his injury was. Um, leaves the game. Basically, without doing anything, the Wild play the rest of the game 11 forwards. We've really since then yet to hear an injury on Drew and eck but reading between some okay. tea leaves. Um, if you, you know, kind of uh, saw the, the, uh, the tweet from Joe Smith, I think it was yesterday, uh, when Dean Evison was asked about the media, um, he apparently looked at uh, the Wild media relations um, individual and said, oh, do we have a, you know, we don't have a statement about it yet. Kind of ensuing that, you know, there could be some sort of um, news regarding, you know, Ek being, you know, whether it's done for the series or potentially the season, um, hasn't skated since that injury. So, you know, at, absolutely not close to returning, still being evaluated. But um, just heart-wrenching because it, it seemed like that could have been a turning point. You get Eck back for that game, um, you know, a chance to go up 2-1 with now Eck back in the lineup. Um, maybe a chance to, to really turn this series around. And um, unfortunately, that first shift, you know, just tweaked mm-hmm. something the wrong way. And uh, the rest was kind of history.
1: I mean, I think it's, you know, the first question. I mean, this is obviously, you know, we see players in NHL and hockey general do this every year. Will they, you know, I guess, you know, we're not doctors. Obviously we don't know, but based on the way they talked about it, it seemed like it was the thing he was going to be out probably three, four weeks a month. And they seemingly kind of, you know, he was almost ready for game one. It was there. I think what nine
0: days, I think was like the official. Yeah. It was was what ended up being not even two weeks. So
1: we see, yeah. So we see, Hockey players do that all the time, you know, rightly or wrongly. They, you know, whether it's, you know, I think a lot of it, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily the team or the trainers pushing that. I think it's just a lot of the times the, the competitive spirit, especially. I'm sure a guy like Ak, who you know, we know how tough he is, and you know how how motivated he is to, you know, he is in the in the weight room, in the locker room. Yeah, and they, you know, they talked a lot We're,
0: about like it was a big pain tolerance thing for him. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, yeah. So. so it's yeah, you know, I don't. We, we obviously don't know. Any of that, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it think you know, good thing in that game it didn't end up mattering. They still won, but you know, it, it sucked obviously when you were leaving. Uh, you know, when he goes up 19 seconds in, and you have you know, Sunquist and Steele in the press box not able to play at that point. But yeah, no, it's just uh, it's it's you know, like you said, it's crappy. It's basically he didn't. You know, it's essentially like he didn't play in the series, even though he technically did. And you know, I guess it's not really. A huge, I mean, it is a huge setback, but I don't know, you know, we kind of already thought he was going to be out most, if not all the series anyways, so I don't think it necessarily is a huge change of their plans, but, you know, obviously if he's hurt even more than they thought, you know, he was going to be originally, that's, uh, that's not good, but, you know, I yeah, just hope he gets, uh, you know, hopefully he just can get him back to good health is obviously the most important thing for him right now.
2: Yeah, it, it was really tough to see because you know how good of a player is, how hard he works, and, you know, how much of an impact he could have made in this series if he was healthy. Just, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we've we been shutting down the top line anyways uh, for the most part, but just adding him to that mix would have made it even harder on Dallas and just uh, tough to see. You know, love seeing Mason Shaw start that game off, getting that building going. That place was freaking electric all night. Yeah. Um, just, just, uh, excellent game. Uh, saw Zuccarello score a couple goals. It just seemed like Dallas couldn't do anything against us in that game, other than that one goal. That was kind of a, a weird, weird goal. Um, but, uh, this might have been the best game we played all season in general, or at least one of them. It was just such a fun game to watch, mm-hmm. and just gives you the confidence moving forward. Even with you know we'll touch on game for uh, next, but even you know last year being up 2 to 1 and, and we lose a series 4 to 2. It's really a different feel around this team. I I have more confidence in in this team moving forward in this series than than the team last year even. Even though last year's team was electric and could score a bunch. You know, a lot of their games they were coming back in, scoring extra, you know, empty net, pulling their goalie, scoring, having to come back in games. This team just you know, they're built for this, I feel like.
0: Yeah, and I think there is you know a lot of positive takeaway from this game. I think it starts with Marcus Foligno. Um I mean, by far and away, I think the best game we've maybe seen him play, uh, you know, since since the calendar turned to 2023. I mean, from the drop of the puck, he was playing like an absolute man possessed. Um, I'm not sure how you how you couldn't after you you know Mason Shaw absolutely blew the roof off the building with perhaps mm-hmm. the best let's play hockey um, in franchise history. Um, but, I mean, he finishes the game a power play goal, three shots on goal, plus a plus one, four hits, two blocks, a plus one penalty differential. Um, spent a minute and 18 on the ice, shorthanded, didn't even allow a shot on goal in that time. Um, finishes the game with a 68% expected goal share. Um, and just everything fed through him. I mean, he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off, hitting everything possible that was moving, hitting it again, you know, taunting players, mocking the bench. Like it, it was a bit goofy, but you can tell the crowd fed off it. The team fed off it. I mean, his goal gets reviewed and it's called a goal a second time. And he goes down the bench again. I mean, he was just, there was a fire lit under his ass, um, and it absolutely it was a huge reason, I think, that the Wild just rolled, you know, they, they rolled Dallas over in that game and made him look like squirts. Um, Dallas just had absolutely no response to it the entire game.
2: Yeah, I know. It was great to see after uh, Hint scores a hat trick game, too. Uh, we hold him to zero shots on goal that game. And, mm-hmm. you know, Robertson got, you know, three shots on goal, whatnot. But, man, we made it so hard on them. And a lot of their shots were, you know, getting tipped or blocked or. Um, even even their shots weren't like high danger shots they were just you know from the perimeter type you know have to work hard to even get that shot off just well i mean the i mean that's
1: the them. i mean that's the thing i don't and they obviously scored the one goal on kind of a fluky play where the puck kind of got lost but i don't like you said justin you don't really remember them i don't really remember them having <laughs> a scoring chance really yeah i didn't that feel like, like gusts yeah. didn't
0: make a big save that whole game and I mean, so and the wild just, scored five in this one and, and hit the post square what, at least three yeah, other times. Yeah, it was. Like, three times. It, it, I mean, this game could have been, you know, 10, 6, 7 to 1. Yeah. You
1: know, at least. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, you said, Justin, it was really a, It was a good conference building game that at home after the, uh, the, the kind of debacle in game two, just to get that feeling back. And, you know, you just really. You know, enforce, obviously, in the players, but in the fans, that they can, uh, you know, that not only can they play these guys, they can, you know, they can beat them. And obviously, Ottinger was really good last night, but I think it was also good to get the four past him, and you know, at least get it in your minds. Unlike Calgary last year, I had to deal with this, you know, that you can score on him. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously.
0: I mean, you look at it through the whole series, through four games, while I've scored three, three, four, and two goals against Ottinger. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's safe, you know. I it might be slightly skewed by Game One, where both him and Gus had a ton of saves. But beyond that, I mean, last night obviously some some absolute gigantic saves in that one. But I think the Wild have shown he's beatable. It seems mm-hmm. that they have some good tape on that. You know, about waist high on the blocker side seems to be a, a spot they're consistently shooting for and trying to expose. Um, so yeah, I agree 100%. Zeke. I mean, did he steal a game? Yes, and I, I think we'd be naive to think that you know he wouldn't in this series, but. Um, I think you just have to look back at, hey, this is a guy we've beaten before, and you know they talk about getting in his eyes and these types of adjustments um, to beat him. And and you know, I'm 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 with you. I'm confident that the, you know they won't let that you know fully <laughs> rattle him.
1: And I think, yes, he was. You know, we you know like everyone was talking about last night. The big thing was, you know, hey, you got to score on the power play. You got to you know hit on your chances. I mean, they had a bunch of odd man rushes. You know, obviously Capri saw specifically, he missed a couple you know, wide open nets on the power play late in the second and and on his breakaway. But, you know, like you said, uh, a lot of times, you know, that's, you know, that just happens. Some games you don't, it just doesn't, you know, obviously, you know, there are always improvements you can make. It's not, you can't just throw up your hands and necessarily just say, oh, well, the other goal, the goalie was great, or he just missed by an inch or two here or there. But, you know, like, like you said, Brett, it was, he, he obviously was going to steal a game or just play very good uh, eventually. And, you know, I think, you know, the great thing about, you know, game four, especially was, you know, obviously Dallas scores to go scores in the power play there with like, you know, three minutes left to go up three, one. And, you know, the fact that they, you know, really kept at it and had the puck in the zone there for the next three minutes and got it to within one and, you know, almost, almost pulled it out there is a, you know, it a good sign. Obviously, you know, Justin mentioned the game four against St. Louis last year where they kind of just rolled over and, you know, took the loss and, seemed happy with the split on the road they you know didn't seem you know despite they lost obviously but they didn't never seem to roll over despite the uh you know obviously frustration that you would have from not being able to score so much and they uh you know still almost pulled out so i think that's a good sign too
0: yeah for sure and i think you know we talked a little bit about last night's game too but yeah i mean i I think kind of you know everything you just mentioned you know makes me not you know necessarily overly concerned um you know with with where you know th- their game's at I thought you know last night for the majority of the game they were the better team in that game and obviously mm-hmm. um they get two absolute you know as Marcus Felino called them bullshit calls um one an interference when Hawk and Paw had the puck and then a phantom tripping penalty when Marcus Foligno hit Mason Marchman as he's trying to jump out of the way and shy away from contact with like the little like the little baby he's been the whole series. Um, you know, can talk a big game and, and push the small skies on the ice. Um, but every time, you know, he's confronted, he skates away. Um, you know, not wanting to get into that, which, you know, kind of a coward, cowardly play by him. But, um, you know, I thought they played an okay game last night. I mean, um, you look at the shots on goal, shot Dallas 35-24, to 24, um, out of 10th of them 68-57. Had a 3.49 to 3.1 goal, 3 expected goals against, hit some posts. Mm-hmm. Um you know, ultimately this came down to, you know, the penalty kill, which has been a story of the series as it was last year. Um, just complete inability to to kill off a penalty. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a fair argument to say, well, you know, the refs in a way did blow that game. You know, it is part of the onus on the wild to kill a penalty. Yeah, yes, but at the same time, that's two penalty kills that they shouldn't know have had to have and i think even if they do kill those penalties you look at just what that can do from a momentum shift standpoint right i mean you know both the situations all of a sudden the fans are hyped and all of a sudden oh now we're on the penalty kill right it's just little things like that um you know it just it, it felt you know kind of unfair to the wild you know that they they got they get to that point and um you know there's some there's some bad calls that are made and you know ultimately costs in the game you know <laughs> Another terrible call late in the game that, you know, leads to the wild goal with Matt Zuccarello tripped in the corner. And even after the ref called the penalty, there was a, there was an image on, on Valley of Zuccarello looking at the ref going, come on, dude, he didn't trip me. Yeah. Like, like that's, the, that's when you know it's getting bad and the players are in the playoff game are like, nah, dude, that wasn't a penalty. Um, I mean, yeah. so, so it just sucks that, you know, it's just this ref show. Um, Cause this series five on five, the wild have been the better team. I mean, the expected goal share, like pretty much any mod you look at is pretty much split down the middle at 50, 50, um, with the wild outscoring, you know, Dallas eight to five in that span. Um, so, you know, I, I think that if that's my takeaway. It's Hey, you know, you- obviously there needs to be some adjustments made to this penalty kill. Um, but other than that, I think they played a really good game last night.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed like both times that those garbage penalties were called, we were kind of making a run and, and, trying to, you know, come back in the game and had gone through a really good, uh, you know, moments where you think we could come back and then that happens and they score another power play goal. Um, don't have much to add, just basically reiterating, you know, there's two sides of that coin. Yes, those penalties should have never happened, but also we should be able to kill them off, you know, fight that adversity and, and get past it and use that momentum to to win the game. But, um, yeah, they never gave up it. You know, obviously, you have to be better on the penalty kill. I have to capitalize on you know breakaways. You know, I think Flino and saw both had breakaways where yeah. uh, you know they could have helped help us win the game. A uh, couple posts, but uh, you know can't take away that Ottinger was was a beast too. So uh, yeah. just have to go into Game Five, forget this one, and 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 try and be better. Just take less penalties. We have to play five on five against these guys. Cause when yeah. we're five on five we're, we're you know, they, they can't really play with us so far this series. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I will. Yeah. I will say that uh, obviously, like, you know, you mentioned, I uh, mean, you know, obviously the biggest, biggest save of the game for Ottinger was probably that one with 10 seconds left. I mean, I oh, was, yeah. like, I, guess, I I was there. I Go mean, ahead. the way when that puck went across the ice to Joe Hansen over there, I mean, you know, you, the heart stopped for about half a second there. Cause he just thought, He's got the
0: whole net. There's not a Dallas player within five feet of him. I know.
1: And, Um, you know, it's not like he – like you just said, Brett. It's not like, you know, it was a flub shot or he, you know, was on the ice. I mean, he got it up good two feet probably, but, you know,
0: that's – And at that point, with that little time left in the game, I mean, your one thought is I'm going to shoot this as hard as I can. And Ottinger has the strong push-off. I mean, Mm -hmm. goes lateral post-to-post, you know, has – the, I mean, literally the entire bottom of the half of the net was yeah. still somehow covered. He had his stick covering the five hole. He has his glove in great position, and I think it ends up hitting his glove. Like, I mean, you just – you can't do anything but, you know, tip your hat to it. I mean, mm-hmm. I hate the freaking fact that the kid's from Minnesota because yeah. if he wasn't, uh-huh. I'd probably curse him to, you know I'd, – I'd curse him all the way back down to Texas. <laughs> but I can It's I was like, ah, this is, this is hashtag one of us. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll tip our caps and, you know, hopefully that – you know, hopefully that's the last, you know, big game-saving save he makes this series. Um, but let's talk Game can I will, five, 5. Can I just uh, – Yeah, go ahead.
1: Can I just – got to just just let me – Give me one minute here to hit on the officiator. Oh, like geez, we just okay. There. I got <laughs> to hit it. This is for okay. Minnesota Wild Talk and Minnesota Wild Talk yes, only. <laughs> yes, like he knows. Uh, yeah, the, like I said, the bear was poked. But, you know, I'm definitely a little more calm than I was, you know, screaming do your job at the game last night. the 200 level but yeah i think what justin just said you know like you guys said it obviously you know there were both calls there were calls both ways obviously the the bad tripping call late in the game you know i think the the key thing there is you know it's just the nhl the, the thing the refs have with the makeup call and you know oh i got two on this team now i gotta get two on the others like i don't think if they you know if they don't Call Foligno for the second one there with three and a half minutes left and Dallas scores. I don't think they're calling that a tripping penalty. I don't think that, you know, I, that's just seemingly how they do it. And it, it's frustrating when, they, you know, like I said, they should do their job. And when there's a penalty, there's a penalty. It You know, something shouldn't be a penalty in December and not a penalty in April just because four months it fast. Like, you know, I thought they did. I will give them credit. They did a good job in the first period of letting things go. There were a few things, you know, that they could have called a few – kind of hooks or trips here and there that didn't call and you know obviously you don't want to let everything go but i you know like like everyone obviously know don't want to you know you never want to be the, you never can blame a game completely on you know obviously the officials that's just you know it just it's kind of whining and it looks bad but yeah it's it, it's just a, it's a league wide problem is the, the key thing here it's not just the wild it's the fact that the uh, you know the zebras got a off for some reason, make it seem you know, make it known that hey, we're here, you know. Look at us guys, aren't we doing great? When you know, really, they aren't doing great. And despite what Gary Bettman, you know, you should never take anything Gary Bettman says seriously. <laughs> I mean, he's just a lawyer; he's just going to lie, no matter what he says. So that's just lesson number one. But you know, because they they most definitely do not have the best officials in the world, and it's you know, it's unfortunate that. This, you know, has happened, but it seems like every night there's yeah. and, a yeah, new And again, it's, it's
0: not exclusive to this series. No, it's not. the missed high sticking. Yeah. yeah, there's the missed high sticking in the uh, Hurricanes-Islanders game that delete, you know leads directly to a Jesper Fast game-winning overtime goal, which, you know, that series all of a sudden is 3-1, and if, you know, that call mm-hmm. is made, you know, that series is now potentially, you know, 2-2. Um, you know, it's it's been all over, right? It's just, it's been horrendous, um, some of the stuff that we've seen. You know, there was the shenanigans in the, you know, the Toronto Tampa big game the other day where there was, you know, a massive scrum and, you know, somehow, you know, one team ends up on the power play that, you know, probably shouldn't have. And you had Sheldon Keith going after, you know, the officials and how, you know, it's, it's been terrible and it's embarrassing for fans. You know, we have, you know, some of the best hockey you'll watch all year just being absolutely just, you know, for black, you know, fuck to shit because these officials can't do their job or call the rule book properly and are trying to make these games about themselves. So hopefully, you know, that these conversations, you know, they have these, I forget the technical term, but they have some that kind of mediates some of these concerns. You know, hopefully these conversations are being had, you know, and these guys, you know, hopefully are being disciplined or talked to behind the scenes and, you know, that they're, you know, thinking twice, you know, on these, you know, these fringe, you know, I don't have any issue if, if there's something like, ah, man, that could have been this. If it, if it stays equal, right? If it's, yeah. ah, you know, the Wild got away with a hook there, and then, oh, okay, Dallas got away with one there, you know, no big deal. You know, as long as it's, hey, uh, you know, Dallas got away with a hook there, but then all of a sudden the Wild did the same thing, and, oh, now it's a penalty, right? I, I mean, either either call it really tight or let things go and or, or find a medium, but just establish what you're going to do from the drop of the puck.
1: Mm. Um, and don't let, and don't let you know, Connor McDavid and Caprice on all these guys get their you know backs and legs taken yeah. out and just watch it and then you go call some ticky tack thing and you call right. a clean hit a penalty like it's right. just you know it's like i told my dad i mean anybody who watches football like most people do i mean if you seemingly if you breathe within a mile of the quarterback it's a penalty and you're out of the game you know because that's their star player that's you know that's who they want on the ice that's who we all want to watch but you know it's like the opposite in hl where they seem to encourage you know the 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 goons playing eight minutes a night going after the star players you know we don't want to see that i mean we want the best guys in the ice it's the best product it's most fun for all of us so yeah no it's i i just had to talk a little bit about it but (laughs) as i said i'm you know usually it's like the 24-hour rule they talk about with parents uh and people you know yelling at sporting events take 24 hours uh and just cool your head so you know it's over so there's nothing you can do about it uh so you know hopefully it's better next game
2: yeah i don't listen to them a lot but the spit and shit guys uh they agree with you they're basically saying in the portion that i watched uh kind of watched about mm-hmm. the wild but they're talking league-wide fans and teams are getting effed like they've never been effed before in these playoffs and, yeah uh, it's it's just not gonna add much more but it's frustrating to see them you know Lose, lose things like they did when they gave a bunch of our players misconducts, and then they'll have a game where they call phantom penalties and a game where they don't call penalties like suited cross-checks where they should be. It's yeah. just – reffing is hard, but it's – they're making it hard and they suck at it, so. And can we
1: also stop – just one last thing. Can we stop with the – uh on TNASPN T- bringing in Brad Meyer or somebody else to – you know, talk with the officiating like okay, you know. Like, oh yeah, here's a guy. He gets his stick in his skates and pulls him down, and that's a tripping penalty. It's like, well, thanks, Brad. I didn't know that that was a trip. Or they bring him in there like, you know, good job on the officials for tossing out Reeves and Ben and all these guys with five, two minutes left in the game. Yeah, it's like, oh, now you want to like, manage the game yeah. and you
0: let it, you know, get out of hand yeah, two and a half minutes right ago.
1: Like you don't, you don't get a pat on the back for doing your the bare minimum of your right. job. Like i right. it's it. I don't need to be explained what the trip is. I
0: mean. Right anyways that's it let's keep it going here all right so enough about the refs let's talk about what the wild can control and that's adjustments going into game five you know i think the very obvious place to start here has to be the penalty kill which has just been abysmal uh Mm -hmm. you know in this series i i'm trying to remember what the exact what are they like is it
1: I think it's 7 for 15, 8 for 50 They've given up 7 on 15 or something. Yeah, like so that.
0: around like 50%. Um, and then uh, Coach B. Gonzo on Twitter uh, tweeted this out today um, as well. Um, the Wild, um, in the last 10 playoff games, uh, 17 goals on 45 penalty kills. That is a 62.2% uh, penalty kill. Um You know, you can argue, well, well, you know, that was a good play and this and that, but at some point you need some stops, Um, you know, and I think they're feeling a little bit, you know, the absence, you know, especially of Jewel Erickson Eck, who was, you know, him and Freddie Goudreau are pretty much that top killing unit all year. Um, But I think you're obviously missing Mason Shaw, too. I mean, Connor Dew and Mason Shaw, you know, where they were kind of that second unit. Um, that was so good, you know, when the Wild, you know, had that stretch of whatever it was, like 12 games or something without, you know, a, a penalty kill or, you know, a goal against on the penalty kill, um, you know, that's crash back down to earth, right? So I think, you know, they're really hmm. missing those two, I think, especially Eck. I mean, you look at game one, you know, they lose two face-offs, you know, and those go directly in the back of the net. And that one, um, you know, they're not winning a lot of face-offs, you know, it's, they're, they're leaving that in the hands of, you know, Freddie Goudreau and Sam Steele. Um, you know, I think Matt Boley spent parts of game three, I think, killing some penalties, taking draws, um, just trying to do whatever they can to try to win some draws um, and aren't getting it. But, you know, for me, I mean, the, the common denominator in a lot of these goals is... I'm actually looking more at the defensemen. and guys who usually aren't ones making these mistakes. You know, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen. I mean, these guys are camping out in the box, the hash marks, and Tyler Sagan sitting there behind him at the top of the crease, the stick on the yeah. ice, tipping pucks and banging in rebounds. What are you doing? Who are you covering? Um, you know, I, I get, you know, this is a team that likes to block shots, but on the penalty kill, your first focus needs to be one, let your goalie see the shot. Get, get get out of his eyes don't screen your own goalie and two take away the stick of um the player out front i mean if if that was joe pavelski's spot but sagan's doing the same thing he's camped right out in front of the top of the crease and he's tipping pucks and i think he's got 3 in the series just doing that so i think step 1 is you know shift out of your stupid box go into a diamond the the low defenseman ties the guy up out front if they want to rip shots from the point or throw it to the outside circles, those are low danger shots. Let them take those all day. The most dangerous shooter or tipper is the guy standing 12 inches away from Philip Gustafson or Mark andre Fleury, and I yeah. can't count how many goals have happened because there's been just a guy uncovered right in that spot. So I think that's step one. Um, and step two is they got to be more efficient on their clears. Um Something you know, I I love the way Jonas Brodin plays, and I'm, and he's not the only one that does this. But I've noticed too many times where it it seems he has a little bit more time. It just tries to kind of panic shovel it, and it'll be like a backhand and just try to chip up the boards. It gets held in. Like sometimes take the extra half second, pick your head up. You know maybe there's a guy you can move the puck to, or just you know flip it to the middle. Even if you can just get it back out in the neutral zone and make him re-enter the zone. It doesn't always have to be this clear that goes all the way down the ice. So. Those are the two big ones for me is, you know, be a little bit more efficient on the clears and take away that guy out front. Um, anything else, you know, really sticking out to you guys about, you know, the penalty kill? I mean, last year it was that you know, that cross-seam pass um, yeah. against the Blues. and I, I don't think that's really been an issue. To me, it's been much more that guy in front. But is there any other, you know, systematic things or things that, you know, that have kind of jumped out to you um, as to why the penalty kill might be struggling a little bit? No,
2: I just <clears throat> I think the main thing was just it seems like every time they try and dump it up the boards, the Stars players there to keep it in zone and, and keep things going. I think, that, like you mentioned, I'm just reiterating, uh, try and take that extra second, maybe throw it on the middle of the ice instead of up the boards because I feel like they're always ready for that on the penalty kill, whether it's the, the low man or the, the defenseman. they're just There's a couple guys that are usually waiting for that puck to rim around the board, so mm-hmm. uh, try to stay away from that if we can. Well, I mean, you know, we saw, you know,
1: like, Brooke kind of talked about the third Dallas goal last night in uh, game four. I think somebody st- – I didn't realize this until I watched the replay. Somebody's stick might have been broken and they might have been going to the bench or whatnot. But, you know, it's, what you said stands the less. I mean, Dallas, the Sagan scored. he got that puck, you know, right above the top of the blue paint there. it just basically went tic-tac-toe on his own entry. Basically, you know, untouched uh, pretty much. Just waded right through and scored an easy goal. And I, you know, like you said, it, it, the big, you know, like like Brett said, the biggest thing is not letting guys get along out front. I mean, I think it was you too who posted the the screenshot from when Sagan scored that tip in in game two. I mean, he was five feet behind the defenseman, and you know, like you said, you just don't know. It's just you don't really know why that's happening, especially when you know we've seen overall this because overall this year, you know, it struggled a little bit late, but the you know their penalty kill in the regular season had been improved from a year ago. Uh, there had been, you know, they had been doing some better things and we know a lot of those guys are capable of playing well. But for me, I think, you know, there there's, it's a fine line between obviously being aggressive and, you know, making sure guys are covered and all that. But I, I just, you know, when you watch other teams kill penalties, especially against the wild, you always just, you just notice how aggressive they are and kind of put making the push the pace the other team and make them make quick decisions with the puck and not, you know, giving them the room and space to move. I mean, that's, you know, that's in hockey that's the the big thing is time and space if you take it away you know it's really hard to do anything and like like Brett mentioned if you take away the time and space you'll force a bad pass or you'll force a bad shot from the blue line that can just get blocked away or stopped away and uh, you know and there's no harm no foul but you know I I guess for me it's just always that I think it's the similar thing on the power play too I think they're just a little they they, they, said they sit back a little bit too much and I don't think there is a they're just not as aggressive and not moving as much as they should to, uh, they, they shouldn't, you know, they should be taking it to the other team instead of letting the other team take it to them, basically.
0: Yeah. One other thing I've noticed too, and, you know, maybe it's this team is, you know, a hunger for shorthanded goals. And this isn't as glaring an issue as, you know, the guy kind of standing alone out front, but there's been a couple instances seeming where the wild, you know, if they'll get a partial break, they'll block a shot and come out of the zone and they're sitting there two on two and they're looking to kind of make a play. Once they get in the mm-hmm. offensive zone and all of a sudden, you know, now it's going in the other way with odd man rush. Like, unless you have a clear odd man rusher or a breakaway, just, just chip it in. Just put it behind the net. Mm-hmm. Hey, if, if you want to, you know, shoot it on goal from the red line, sure. You know, that little skipper and Ottinger. But, like, if there's not a, a scoring chance there, don't the, – the penalty kill is not the time to try to create one. If that opportunity comes, take it. But, you know, there's been at least probably three, four times – Um, or, you know, I think they've tried to kind of make something out of nothing. And then it's all of a sudden going back the other way, maybe an odd man rush or at the very least, you know, it's a, it's a much simpler zone entry. And then, you know, Dallas, who who, credit to Dallas, they have a great power play. I think they were, Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this in the previous show. They were, I think a top three unit, um, on the year. So, I mean, it's, I don't think it's fair to call much this fluky. I mean, these guys clearly know what they're doing with the man advantage, but, um, you know, I think it's just little, little things like that. Just, you know, mm-hmm. win face-offs, get the puck in deep. Anytime you have the chance, protect the front of your net and let your goalie see the puck. Um, you know, I, I want to say it's hard to get worse than what it's been, but I mean, it's, it's just a little like gut wrenching because this was the problem last year, right? Like this is the same mm-hmm. thing yeah. that cost them the series in St. Louis. But I think the difference for me is. This it was a big factor, but there were so many other ones in that series as well. Whether it was no one no. else but Kaprizov scoring, you know, shaky goaltending from Flurry, like a lot of the other stuff feels fixed. So, um, other things we can talk. about. I guess next we can go to the starting goalie. I think there's been a little bit of kind of this self de- depreciating, like well, oh, Dean is gonna go back to Flurry because that's what he said he's gonna do. They want to rotate goalies and blah 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 and custom lost, but. Um, I said from last night, I said, there's no way that Gus doesn't start game five. Um, and if you kind of read the tea leaves, um, I don't, I don't believe he even practiced, um, today and Fleury stayed on late with the scratches. So, I mean, to me, that's a pretty darn good indication, um, that Gustafson is probably in. Do you guys disagree? Do you think it should be Gus? Should they go back to Fleury? Uh, just quick thoughts there.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, you know, I agree with you. I don't think there's any reason they should, shouldn't should play Gustafson. I mean, obviously, you know, he had one goal at least probably last night uh, when it made a 2 nothing Dallas that he probably, that he said he would have liked back, which is true. But, you know, other than that, you know, he was fine. It's hard to get on him for the other two power play goals on that. Uh, and he and it was, it was, obviously, he uh, did, did his job, you know, in games one and three. So I don't, yeah, I don't think there's really much debate. Uh, you know, if he would have given up five or six goals, then maybe yeah. But it's not like he was, you know, it's not like he was the reason they lost by any means last night. So I think it's pretty easy.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think he's done anything to lose the job. I mean, he's been the better goalie regular season so far, the better goalie in the playoffs, and uh, mm-hmm. the team seems to play better in front of him too. So I think it's his. No reason to sit (laughs) them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Turning to the other side um, of the special teams, um, and that's the power play, which, I mean, hasn't been terrible. I mean, they do have a power play goal now in every game in this series. Um, You know, it's at 23.5%, but Mm -hmm. it just feels like there's been some missed opportunities when they've gotten power plays at key points and, um, you know, I think it, it kind of feels like, oh, you know, in every game they've had, I think at least four, um, up to this point, it just feels like two of those will be, there's just absolutely nothing. Like, mm-hmm. it just feels like a lot of perimeter passing. Um, you know, a couple of those have come, I think now from the second unit, I think we had the one from Felino. Um, I think Nyquist set up another one, I think in game two, um, there. So it's like that top unit, especially to me, there needs to be. And I don't know what the change might be. Um, and I think we may have talked about, you know, what drastic changes could be made if it gets to this point. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But, you know, one change I, m- you know, maybe would consider, we talked about this is something St. Louis did last year, right about the same time in the series, was go 11-7. and seven. Um, And we've seen the wild run, you know, 11 forwards, a lot of these playoffs already anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, and they're losing special teams battles. And look, um, you know, I think Kalen Addison, his weapon all year has been the power play, right? The way he's quarterbacked that power play, and to me, in my mind, this might be the time where you gotta bring him back and put him in that spot. And I think that begs the question, you know, who comes out? Um, and I think in my head, I think it might be Ryan Reeves, right? And I don't think this this isn't to say that Reeves hasn't played well in the series. Like I don't think he's played bad. Um, Even better t- than
1: Deloria. Yeah, know. and
0: I, I think he, he's gone out there. He's thrown the body around. That fourth line has had you know some good shifts here and there, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, I he hasn't really like there hasn't been that Revo moment where you know he kind of turned the tides in a game. We've seen Jamie Ben countless times, kind of skate away from the antics. You know, no one really wants to fight him. No one really wants to engage with him or get into it. So at that point, like, all right, he's out there, and he maybe throws four or five hits, bangs the body up a little bit. But beyond that, like, he's not moving the needle for me, right? Like, I don't think he's necessarily hurting them, but I don't think he's helping them. And to me, I mean, you've gone 11-7 and seven in other scenarios already this year. Do it again, right? Um, mm-hmm. Bring Kalen Addison. See if it sparks your power play. You can try it for one game. If it doesn't work, you go back, right? I don't think that's the end of the world. Um you know that that gives the opportunity too to you know maybe you can slide a Klingberg to the second unit or, or maybe it's Klingberg and Addison on the first unit and maybe it's you know now that you don't have Eck it's maybe just as simple as it's a, it's your top line with Hartman Zucarello Kaprizov on the second unit or your first unit and then your second unit's now Boldy Johansson and Nyquist um, with you know a Spurgeon and you know, maybe it's a Felino um, net front or a, you know some I think there's options there to maybe boost this power play a little bit and I think that's maybe where I would start. Um, just because Dallas just doesn't seem to want to give in to these, you know, these physical kind of fighting type antics. And that's kind of what Reeves is there for. And if that's not going to happen, what's the point?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, like you said, this is kind of what we talked about, you know, last year with their lack of adjustments compared to St. Louis, you know, things have gone well, it's kind of what we wanted to see. And, you know, I, like you said, but they've done this a few times before. So, you know, They'll recognize that and do it tomorrow. Obviously, we'll see. You know, I think, I think a lot of this is just, you know, I think part of the power play issues is just some of their top guys. Obviously, like Boldy, Presov, just not finishing. I mean, we saw, like I said last night, Presov late second. You know, had puck bounce off the boards right to his stick, missed the net. You know, other guys just not and Boldy, those guys. You know, not particularly moving the puck very well. But I mean, obviously, like you said, uh, you know, at the reason Addison's not in, the, you know, the reason he was in lineup for most of the year was, you know, as you mentioned, the quarterback, the first power play, really good at moving the puck up the blue line. So, you know, anything that could potentially help, you know, would probably be a good idea. And, you know, like you said, it, it seems like they have wanted to do the uh, four forwards in the power play. It seems to be a common thing in NHL nowadays. But like you mentioned, I've, uh, you know, the power play hasn't been good, but I thought, I've thought Klingberg has looked pretty decent actually. Yeah, I mean, and,
0: Klingberg's got four points out. in two games. So what a plus could have surprise. Have had another,
1: he could have had another goal uh, in that game three when he nailed the post. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously you don't want to, you know, take completely take away you know what he's good at too. But you know, even if you did want to go just one defenseman on each pair, I mean, like you said, you could uh, move him down there with you know Johansson and Iquist and those guys, and you'd still have pretty good looking power play. So yeah, no, it it's just the little little things here and there that. You know, because obviously it isn't obviously isn't working too well. And, you know, going back into Dallas, especially you might need to uh, come up with something that can maybe inject a little life in there and get it going.
2: Yeah. And we saw in the regular season when Addison was on the power play. Uh, I think it was early on, maybe mid-season, but it was so crisp. And uh, there was a lot of movement. The bodies, a lot of crisp passes, quick passes. And like you mentioned, Brett, now it's just like they're kind of around the perimeter, kind of. Maybe holding on to the puck an extra second, trying to make a pass, and not really getting anything going. Maybe even getting a turnover and having to come all the way two hundred feet down the ice again. But um, now I I wouldn't mind trying to you know the eleven seven getting Addison in for the power play and putting John Klingberg on that that first unit too. I mean Addison, we you know he can do quarterbacking and then. You know, Klingberg is so good at walking the line and, and finding the right screen to get a, a wrist shot to just a power play specialist. He was the same way in Dallas. So. Ripped just mic. <laughs>
0: <I> Dropped my <laughs> microphone.
2: <laughs> drop my drink this time, like, like you did before the show, but <laughs> the microphone went flying, so sorry about that. But, um, yeah, it's uh, lost my train of thought there, but... Uh, yeah, I I think they do need to, to try something different maybe and then you know spark something that, that's not going. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um other adjustments lineup wise that you guys would maybe consider um making, anything you'd tweak with the forward lines, um you know, maybe outside of that eleven and seven, you know, are you you know, I think the other one potentially is, you know, the Sam Steele, uh, Oscar Sundquist debate, you know, Steele, not necessarily a glowing performance, I think, the other night, but, you know, has had his moments in the series. But any other, you know, I don't want to say overhaul, but I think, you know, tweaks you would potentially look at um, heading into game five.
2: I oh. thought of one today. Sorry, Zeke. No, no, no. Um, I was kind of thinking at work while I was on my lunch break and... <laughs> I think the one move that I think I would like to see is Nyquist moved up to the lineup. I don't know if it would be the first line or second line, maybe move him up with Kaprizov and give Zuccarello a break from him because, you know, even though he had that 2-0 game at times, he looks, you know, not like the Zuccarello of of, of when they were really, you know, clicking together. Um, also, you know, maybe like a johansson boldy Nyquist line, something like that. You know, inject him in the top six. I feel like he's been one of our best players. I mean, he's he's got a over a point per game since he joined with us, and and you know, every night it seems like he's out there making plays and, and you know, keeping the puck in the zone, making a nice pass, bringing springing someone to you know, score a goal or whatnot he's just been really good since he's returned from his injury and uh, i think i'd like to see him injected into the top six see if that can spark something with one of either maybe baldy or kaprizov i mean
1: yeah like you said justin it just seems like every time you know he has the puck he's been making something happen making some sort of play you know i guess I, i didn't really you know just didn't know how much of a how great of a skater he was until you know he started playing in this series and just how much he's been able to create and you know i think it's a i think it's kind of a bit of a luxury there uh to have him on that third line with guys like dro and flano it you know helps them be a little bit more of a threat but you know like you said justin he could uh, you know he could put him on the second line too it, you know like you said first line maybe work but it just seems like that's not something that's ever really going to get breaking up with zuccarello and caprizov so obviously we've seen Baldy do okay on draws before and you know you don't even have to necessarily, I guess, do it like a whole game. You could maybe try it in a period and see if it doesn't work. Then you, they could just, you know, go back and tinker with it in game. But yeah, no, that's a, that's, I think, I think that's a great idea. It's probably the biggest, uh, it's probably the biggest and maybe only real uh, change they could make with their top six to try to get them going a little bit.
0: Yeah. We are, uh, <laughs> as we're recording here, we have the, uh, Maple Leafs lightning on the background. Toronto just came back. They were down three to one, oh, and have geez. now just four won to five four. Yeah, excuse me, four, four to one. one. Scored three times in the third period and just won five four in overtime. Is that huh. up? Uh, is that a, a three one series? Three right one, now? yeah. Three, oh, three one. Toronto <laughs> the narratives. Three oh one. man, they're gonna be sweating in game six. Um, no five. Wait, five. Yeah, that was yeah. game four. Okay. Um, yeah, but I think you know. 11 and seven I think could make that you know more interesting right all of a sudden you know you take out Reeves and now you can you know maybe it is a Oscar Sunquist that comes in but now you can kind of tweak things right you can throw Goudreau in there with Boldy and Johansson or you could maybe you know on the fly shift or something you can throw out a, a Boldy Johansson Nyquist line and just kind of you know mix things around um you know I mean the only line that's you know none of these lines have really been consistent for the past month um I will say I think the, the Goudreau-Nyquist-Felino line has been a lot better kind of than I was expecting it to be. Um, and I do want to take a moment. I mean, Gustav Nyquist has been unbelievable. Um, I mean, we talked a little bit at the end of the season. You know, he had what it was the five points in the three games. Like, ah, there's an empty nickel in there, some Mickey Mouse teams. But, I mean, he brought that right into the playoffs. I think he's sitting at uh, nine points now in seven games as a member of the Wild. Uh, last game was the first game as, as a member of the Wild where he didn't record a point. Like, just insane. And, I mean, his speed, his, he's a way better passer than I thought he was. Um, so, yeah, I'm i am all for finding a way to, like, in football, they talk about, like, manufacturing touches um, to, you know, different wide receivers or gadget players or running backs. Like, manufacture ice time for Gus Nyquist. Like, throw him out there in, you know, offensive zone situations or get him out there on a shift with Kaprizov. Like, I don't think it has to be a whole game scenario. Just going to be like, hey, Gus, you're going to, you know, there might be you know, we're going to double shift off with you on this one. And, you know, Felino takes a shift off, you know, so, li- little things like that here and there. Like I-, I definitely think like that's a tweak that can be made mm-hmm. without like completely overhauling um, the lineup for sure. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts there? Um, lineup tweaks, anything else? I think, you know, I- I've liked, you know, Brock Faber's look good. John Klingberg, you know, has been – a lot maybe the key all along was Klingberg just had to play the left side I don't know <laughs> but I mean he's been great as you mentioned I think now what a goal and three assists in two games since rejoining the blue line um favors looked the part Dumba Brodeen have looked good Middleton Spurgeon have had their moments um you know I think the rest of the lineup that's been consistent has been fine um so there's n- no one else like outside of like Reeves or Steele there's really no one I would be like, yeah, this guy needs to come out of the lineup. I would have maybe right. said Felino had, had we done this, you know, before game three, but I think his last two games have been, have been much mm-hmm. better, um, there. So, um, to wrap up the show here, it's been a little bit of a long one. So if you're still with us, we do have a couple, uh, listener questions. I think we've hit some of along the way here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one topic I think we'll hit on last. I'm just seeing if there's any kind of worth hitting on here just because of where we yeah, are. Sure. Um, um, yeah, I think the one I did want to hit on was kind of Kaprizov and Boldy. Um, so I just kind of did want to just kind of pull just kind of the raw data on both of these. I mean, obviously the conversation, you know, Kirill mm-hmm. Kaprizov has just one point in four games. Um, is there a little cause for concern for him or for Boldy? Um, I may be slightly more concerned about Kaprizov, um, if it were me and, um, feel a little bit better after last night's game. But um, I mean, you look at games two and three, three total shots on goal on just six attempts, all situations. Um, I mean, how many games this year Do we see curl Kaprizov with six attempts in a game? Uh, mm-hmm. Right. So only have that through two games. I mean, credit to Dallas. They've done a really good job. I think both teams have like, there hasn't been a lot of Kaprizov and Robertson at all in this series. I think yes. they both maybe had yes. a goal in game one. Um, but uh, Robert, I think Robert's an okay game too, but so did everybody, but like each of them has had kind of one good game and the rest, like the other team is just completely nullified, uh, the player. Right. But, um, you know, the, the encouraging sign, you know, he had as many expected goals last night, um, more than he had in the previous two games combined 0.68 last night, 11 shot attempts, 11 of those went unblocked. Seven of those counted as scoring chances. Three of those counted as high danger chances. Um, you, know, you have to feel like the confidence is growing there. We've seen Zuccarello pick up his game the last couple times. I mean, Ryan Hartman's playing really good hockey. So I think I'm a little concerned. Um, five on five, his numbers are fine. Um, that line's expected goal share. through The series sitting at a nice 52.3%. Um, they've mm-hmm. outscored opponents 3-1. to one, So it's not like they're getting caved in. It's not like they're not controlling play. I think the goals are going to come um, for him, I think, as long as he just kind of keeps doing what he's doing. Boldy's like almost kind of the opposite scenario. So, uh, expected goals um, at five on five in this series, um, he's down actually under that fifty percent threshold, um, sitting at forty six point four five percent. Actually getting outscored at five on five, two to one. Um, but he has picked up three assists in this series, um, and that's more so. I think I think one or two of those is on the power play. Um... I think I. Here. actually no all three of them are even strength um oh. well no that can't right because he had one on the power play last night on the mm-hmm. freddie Goudreau goal but anyway, he has three assists um the shot volume for him hasn't changed a whole lot i mean he's sitting at 1.63 expected goals in the series so i mean one potentially two he's had six high danger chances he has 26 shot attempts so that over four games is what, four and a half shots per game. So I don't think Mm -hmm. anything has really changed for him other than as we talked about, his shooting percentage has dropped off from whatever it was, that insane, like 28% or every end of the season on. Now it's down to zero. So again, with him, I think the the goals are going to come. Like there's nothing in the numbers that suggests that these two are playing poorly as much as they're being a little bit unlucky. And, you know, Jake Ottinger, we, we talked about earlier, you know, it's been some great saves. We stoned Kaprizov in the breakaway. Boldy's hit a couple of posts. Um, you know the power play hasn't helped either of them. I you know that we've talked about that first unit's had a tough time getting anything going. So I don't think there's anything I would change in their games. I would say is keep at it. I think one of them, if not both, are, are bound to have a big game here um, in one of these next couple. Um, I know I may it's still a lot of the thunder there um, just <laughs> the stats. But anything no. else you guys have to add on on Kaprizov or Boldy? No, well, I I- think-
1: <coughs> you go ahead, Zeke. No, I was just going to – I'll go quick. But I think, you know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly concerned. I mean, we saw, you know, last year in St. against St. Louis that, uh, you know, he had to be the, only, the scoring because he was the only one capable last year when he scored the seven goals in the first five games. So we know that he – Capri saw that is can, you know, succeed in the playoffs. He can thrive. So it's not a question whether you can. It's just, you know, when or if you will in this series. And I think – you know, I think the good thing is I think, you know, from you know, in my opinion, I think he's been skating pretty good. He's moved good. He doesn't look like whatever his uh you, you know his injury from Winnipeg a couple months ago. It you know obviously I'm if sure anything he's
0: bruised up from Suter, yeah, right. from
1: cross checking the lower back. So you know I'm sure he's maybe a little bit banged up just like anybody is this time of year. But he seems to me that he's been skating really well. Uh, you know he had created that two on one with Socharella right off the hop uh, last night in the game. And, you know, like I said, uh, missed near misses on a couple of power plays. So I just think it's, I think it's probably a case of, you know, like Brett said, if just one goes in, then a bunch will start coming, uh, for both him and Bowley. But I think with, I, I like I said, I think they're, uh, I think they're doing a lot of good things, right. They just, they're just not, uh, you know, they're not finishing or creating enough. So, and maybe at times a little bit overpassing for a lot of these guys as well. So yeah. you just got to, You know, cocky cliches, just get pucks on net and uh, keep going.
0: And the term he's due is arbitrary, uh, but Kirill Kaprizov, this is the first time all year he has gone three consecutive games without a point. So Mm -hmm. he's had a couple of two. He had one toward the end of the season, and it was, you know, between the injury he had one point over a four-game stretch. That's happened literally once all year. So, like, saying he's due, like, I hate that term because it's basically like, oh, well. This, is, this had happened before, but, like, this is Kroka-Prizov. Yeah. Like, he's, he's going to break through, so I'm not I about
2: feel him. like we have this talk about him a couple of times Caesar, Like, oh, should we be concerned? You know, he's not getting points. He's on the slump. But, yeah, we're, we're you know, best of three basically left now. Uh, so, you know, it would be nice to see him get some of those points. But, you know, DeBoer has done a good job of, of, you know, kind of eliminating him. And, and you yeah. know, like you mentioned, we've done the same to their stars. But... Uh, I'm not overly concerned. I think he'll, he'll find it. and You know, the difference between this year and last year is uh, you already said it, but we're getting other guys scoring goals. We've got uh, 13 goals in the four games, nine different goal scorers. So he doesn't have to do everything, but it would just be nice to add that to the mix, you know, both him and Boldy. And I I do think their, their goals are going to come here pretty quick. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Lots of other good questions in there. Um, just to rapid fire, I think there was a key. Uh, most important game of the series, I think, has to be the one, you know, game five. I think the one, I all goes much to say whoever wins tomorrow night wins the series. Um, Iowa Wild head coach talked about that. Concerns about Kaprizov, Boldy. We talked about that. Uh, let's see. Key to win the series, I think, is shoring up the penalty kill. I think if they pull Dallas off the penalty kill, we talked about they've been the better team five on five. Gustafson extension—that might be more of an off-season topic. Penalty kill, yeah. I think we pretty much hit on everything else, okay. or another. So, uh, any final thoughts? We're you know less than hey by this time tomorrow we'll actually probably be wrapping up. Hopefully wrapping WD, up game yeah. five, a seven o'clock yeah. start. So that'll be refreshing. <laughs> um, but any any kind of final thoughts here as we're less than twenty-four hours away from from the game five puck drop? Uh
2: just uh, continuing. And enjoy this series it's it's a treat I, i think uh you know like i have mentioned a couple of times we're built for this more than the last year and and, and you know just enjoy this because uh you know they, they need you they need you to continue to be you know loud at the x on game six and uh don't give in to the Trolls, the Dallas Trolls online. has been pretty messy on Twitter. I, I've been trying to stay off there for the most part <laughs> during yeah. the games. Um, did, you, uh, did you see but, uh, the Toronto, uh, Toronto fan with the point
1: hurt on the ground printed onto his helmet that he had <laughs> in, in the square? Room. It's like, oh, my God. You forget how nasty, sorry to interrupt you, but you forget how nasty people yeah. do when the calendar flips to mid-April for yeah, some reason. You can right.
0: chirp and argue, but, like, don't start, like, calling out yeah. their looks or doxing them yeah. or bra you know go giving them shitty ratings on their podcasts like yeah. just leave it at the banter and the trash and right. like don't bring gender and race and all the crap into like just ha- have some fun with it and then if it starts to get heated just hit the mute button trust me it'll yeah. it'll save your life just hit the mute button walk away um, i just walk away yeah, i don't even get into
2: that shit yeah.
1: <laughs> you're, you guys you're you're a, you're stronger people than i am i'm, not, <laughs> I'm also
2: almost twice your age so i've gone through that yeah, <laughs> stage yeah, of true. bantering online <laughs> or or aol instant messenger at my yeah. age i guess whatever
0: yeah <laughs> um yeah i think my final thought is i think there's a lot of unnecessary panic like to me this is much different than last year like i think the wild have been the better team in three out of the four games in this series. Um, and that's, you know, one of those games without Ryan Hartman, Andrew Larson, you know, the other three been out act, but you know, I, I, there's nothing that suggests, you know, Guson is falling off. I mean, we've seen some, you know, we're, we're getting depth scoring. Our best players haven't had, you know, the game yet. So I think there's a lot of things to be optimistic about. I get the pessimism because it feels like we have you know, these same conversations every year, but Um, you know, trust this team. They've, they've been through it before. And sometimes that's what it takes is to, you know, crawl through that heartbreak to, to get to the next step. So, Mm -hmm. um, keep the positive vibes, you know, when, when we come back here, you know, whether it's a three, two series lead or a two, three series deficit, be loud for game six. We're going to be at the game, uh, support the team through and through because you just, you never know what can happen. So, I mean, we've seen now back to back nights, we've seen teams come back from three goals down, um, and win games. So, you know, nothing's impossible here. And, um, there's always, you know, the unexpected heroes in the playoffs. And, you know, this wild team is, you know, they're, they're built for the playoffs. So we've seen them play good games. So um, I'm mm-hmm. not worried. to Keep my hopes high.
2: No, not- I do want to add one thing. I I know Minnesota fans have had it rough in terms of all their, their men's teams in the playoffs. But let's flip the script and be positive and and give them different vibes this time around so we can, you know, flip the script of, of losing first round.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yep. No. Uh, also, just one last... Uh... Last thing for me, but just shout out to the uh, game ops for the troll job on Ryan Suter last mm-hmm. night with the uh, flipping from the crowd back to him for yeah. a good five six times. Uh, you know, it's just the look. Uh, it, was, it was pretty good, and it's I don't know. It's I just it. It's weird because it seems like not a thing that normally we would do here. So it takes seems like it takes a lot to get people to actively chant that you suck and boo you over yeah, and over again. I,
0: I would say like. Going into Game Three, it probably wasn't in their books, and then they heard how much the guy got booed, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah let's just feed into it, right?" So, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's all just right. like he, he responded, to "This it's playoffs, so yeah,
0: not... yeah." And they, they, he probably feeds off, but who gives a shit? Makes us. Oh yeah, good. I'm, sure. I'm um, sure. All right, well, that's an hour and a half of wild content, so hopefully that makes up for, uh, you know, <laughs> being absent uh, for lack of a better term uh, last week. We just we ran into some scheduling issues and couldn't jump on and figured there'd be six other podcasts and articles you could read in the meantime. So hopefully we covered everything, uh, best we could. So, uh, we'll hopefully the next time we record, we'll be talking about round two. Otherwise we'll probably be running up the end of the season. So, uh, could be a week, could be two, three days. We don't know. We'll figure that out when we get there. Um, stay tuned to sound the Foghorn, feed our personal feeds for the next episode. Um, but until then, uh, Justin remind everybody where they can find you and all of your work.
2: Uh, you can find me at DE2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with the CapriSov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And then at Pipeline UMD at UMD Bulldogs Pipeline. Zeke?
1: Yeah, you can uh, find me on uh, Twitter at Zeke Boyad with capital Z and capital B. If you want to connect with me there, that's where you'll
0: find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, The Wild and the Stars, Game 5 tomorrow night in Dallas, 7 p.m. local time puck drop. Um, So probably listed like 7.15, 7.20, but you should get to go to bed at a reasonable hour considering things don't, you know, haul into a double overtime. Once again, Series 2-2, no start times announced yet for Game 6 or Game 7. Uh, We do have dates. Those will take place on Friday and on Sunday. Uh, The next time we'll be back with you, we'll either be likely discussing a series victory or the end of the season, hopefully the former. Uh, But until then, this has been another episode of